Father, I pray right now that we also acknowledge who you are based on our attention to your word and what your word says. As we talk about something that a lot of people around the world, especially our country, we, we, we fall victim to, to this sin. To the point that, Father, it, it, it becomes mainstream. It becomes easy to, to live in and we don't even realize. So let us hear directly from you this morning. Let us hear from your word. Let us hear some steps that we can take as we do our part to become like Jesus. We know that you make us, but let us not put up barriers. Let us not give excuses. Let us not be the thing that keeps you from working in our lives. We ask these things in your son's name. All right, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. We're almost there. Um, today, we're going to talk about two of the most downloaded verses in the Bible, uh, and actually in the history of the Internet, that's actually found in this passage that we're going to be reading in just a couple of minutes. Uh, last night, our uh, family of, well, of three, Griffin wasn't there, so the, the, the ones that are still around, um, we went grocery shopping last night. We had group tonight, so we wanted to go ahead and get that done. So we're we're at the grocery store and we're checking out. And I couldn't help but notice. wasn't looking. Just could not help but notice there was two magazine covers that had something to do with overcoming anxiety, right there on the cover, or how to avoid excessive worrying. I thought, wow, how applicable is that for us today? 330 million people in our country. Over 200 million people have prescriptions for anxiety uh, or for anti-anxiety medication. Worrying, anxiety, it's out there. And it's a thing that has become norm. The Surgeon General has released studies to find that the health risk, get this, of prolonged loneliness, this is since COVID, okay, are more dangerous than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And that loneliness can increase the risk of premature death by 26%, and it raises the likelihood of heart disease, anxiety, and depression. Money is the number one thing that most Americans worry and stress about. And here's the interesting thing as we get into that, as you get into, in, into the, the, the nuts and bolts of why money is a stressor, it's not about being able to pay the bills or needing more money. The number one thing that Americans said I, I stress about is can I buy the thing to impress the people? That's what we're worried about. Safety. Safety is... Uh, on the list of top things that we worry about. You know, uh, back in my day, and I know it was a different generation, and I know that it was even a different society, it was be home when the street lights came on. And then, hallelujah, we moved to a farm, there were no street lights. And my parents were like, yeah, just be home. All right, you know, if, you know, if a, if a bear eats you, we'll find you eventually. Helicopter parenting wasn't a thing back in the 80s. But now, I mean, this is part of society. 
And, and there's good reason for that. I'm not, I'm not knocking that, okay? What people think of me is a major cause of worry in the lives of many Americans. Like we want to know, am, am, I, am I good enough? Right? Like, like, will my neighbors accept me? Will I be a little too redneck? Will they like me? Hey, what do I need to do to change to be accepted with this group? Job security. Job security is another thing that we worry about. How long is the minister going to preach today, Ricky? That's another thing we worry about, isn't it? Worry is wrapped up in our text, so let's go there and see what God has to say. Chapter 4 starts with a conflict. I'm not going to read it, but it starts with a conflict between a couple of ladies, and apparently it's a major disagreement because Paul has heard about this conflict while sitting in a Roman prison several hundred miles away, and, and he's getting into his last words of this letter and he's telling the people of the church, hey, hey, you need to work this thing out. Deal with it. Take care of it. And then verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. There it is. Number one thing. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. From the beginning of the mass printed Bible, this is one of the most downloaded verses of all time. Now here's the thing for you and I today. Anytime there is repetition in Scripture, take note. Okay? And in this letter written to this church, Joy and rejoicing is mentioned 16 times. So he's, he's trying to make a point to these people that, 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 that this needs to be part of the Christian character and who you are. We are to rejoice in the Lord. We talked about this just a few weeks ago. I, I'm not supposed to rejoice in my circumstances. I'm not supposed to rejoice in my hard work or good decision making. I'm not supposed to rejoice only when things are going my way. I am to rejoice in the Lord. When? Always. Now Paul's not saying to, to you and I that hey, you just you gotta fake it till you make it. Alright? That, that's not what he's saying here. And and I and I'll tell you, I'm guilty of this. God, it's just easier. And we know it's easier. But Americans are the best at practicing goodism or fineism, right? Hey, how's everything going? Good. It's, it's good. Fine. I'm fine. Oh, yeah, great. I've been asked that three times today. Gave all of you the, gave all of you the answers, right? Is it really? Well, I mean, I get it. You come strolling in here the two minutes before we stroll 
you know, get church started. We actually, I think I walked in here a minute late, so I'll give you the other third minute, right? You come rolling in here. That's not the time to unload all the stuff that's going on in my life. I understand. There's a time and a place for everything. And in the foyer out here, as we're sipping on coffee and eating a very sugary maple, whatever that was, donut this morning, man, I, like that may not be the time. But we are, we're masters at putting on this appearance that everything's good, that, that everything is okay. Church, I'm here to tell you, it's okay to have bad days. All right? It's, it's okay to be concerned about life. Because life happens. Stuff happens. Some of it's through your own poor choices and poor decision making. And, and some of it is just unavoidable. Man, the things just happen. And, and sometimes they come in waves where it's one thing after another. Because the reality of life, things are not always going to just be spectacular. Think, things are not always good. If they are, Devil's got you right where he wants you. All right, I'm telling you that right now. If, if things are always good in your life, the devil has got you. Take note. Be warned. And that's why the instruction is rejoice in the Lord. Because he loves you. He will never fail you. He is greater than the thing that is going on in this temporary life of ours. That's why Paul wrote, we hit this a couple weeks ago, this is not on the screen. He wrote it in chapter 3, verse 8. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them, do you remember the word? Skibulon. Right? I consider them dung that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. All this stuff in this temporary world, nothing. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And so we are to rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. And then for obvious reasons, we're going to skip over verse 5. Let your gentleness or your reasonableness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And then verse 6. Last three years, this is the most downloaded, it's been the most crocheted, cross-stitched, laser-engraved verse since March of 2020. Do not be anxious about anything. want to show of hands, but you're anxious about something right now? You got a thing out there right now? In every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, before we dig into this verse and the remedy for it, I want to say this because it needs to be said. Paul is not speaking to the people who suffer from true anxiety disorders. That's a thing. Okay? Medically, this is a thing in our day and age. Now, you get a pass. 
having an anxiety disorder does not, you need to hear this, I've said this to other people outside the walls of this room, having an anxiety disorder does not exempt you from living out the commands of Scripture to the best of your ability. God has blessed the medical world with medicine to work with these disorders. But because you take medicine for this does not mean you get to skip over His instruction for handling or dealing with anxiety and worry. Okay? And that's, that's just the truth of this matter. So Paul tells the church the same thing Jesus did back at the Sermon on the Mount. Do not worry about anything. Now, the word worry and anxious are used interchangeably. It means to be pulled in different directions. If anybody has dealt with anxiety before, if you've dealt with, with worrying, with a spirit of worrying, you know exactly that's what it feels like. Like, like my mind wants to be here, but something is distracting me and it's pulling me over here. Worry, church, is the greatest thief of joy. This week, I will celebrate 27 years of marriage on Thursday. Now, I was told yesterday that we'll be taking Stella to some pizza fundraiser or something like that. And so, yippee skippy. That's the glamorous life of a semi-long marriage, right? You, you, you get to take your kids to eat something you don't want to eat for raising money for something you don't even want to spend money on, right? But hallelujah, that's it. All right, hey, look here. Hit me up for some more romantic ideas. I'm, I'm loaded. I'm loaded with those, right? <laughs> In 27 years of marriage, I have learned many things. But I'm dead certain on these two right here. <laughs> I, will, I will wager every dollar I have on these two right here. Telling my amazing wife to calm down or to quit worrying never works. It never works. I am O for a thousand and eighty. Well, I'm never afraid that. I'm O for five hundred thousand. Like it has never ever worked. Not one time in the history of those two statements being said have I ever seen results. Worry is the greatest thief of joy, and it's not enough. For us to just tell ourselves, quit worrying. <laughs> like, like we can say it till we're blue in the face. Because here's the thing. That never captures the thief. If worry is the greatest thief of joy, just saying, stop worrying, that does not capture the thief. Worry is an inside job. And, and it takes more than just good intentions to get the victory. It takes more than just being busy and keeping your mind occupied to get the victory. The antidote to worry is the secure mind. That's how we overcome being a chronic worrier. That's how we overcome worry. We have a secure mind. Now we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. So worry is one of the greatest distractions used by Satan to keep you from trusting in the sovereignty of God. I mean, you need to hear that. Look here, Satan is a thousand percent fine with these two things for the Christian. Keeping you 
extremely busy, always on the go, taking your kids here, you being involved here, and doing this over here, and doing this over here, so that, you know, best case scenario, your, your quiet time is spent trying to catch up on the Bible reading or Bible listening on the way to a thing in the car. He wants to keep you extremely busy. The other thing, wants to give you things to worry about. He, he, he loves Christians who are busy and Christians who have a lot of things to worry about. Why? Because he knows that he is distracting you from the sovereignty of God. How so? What is Romans 8? What does Paul tell the church at Rome? In all things, God works for those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. He's the one that's going to work in all things. No matter what it is, God is the one who's going to work you, you're worried about whatever the thing is, the new job, the marriage, the finances, the children's behavior. You, you name it, whatever it is. No matter the outcome, God is working for the good of those who love Him. And here's the issue. I'm telling you right now, I'm guilty of this big time. We want our results instead of what God may do with the results that come. If there's the thing out there, I want my results because worry is about control. Can I control the situation? If I control it, guess what I don't have to do? If I'm in charge and I'm controlling the situation, guess what I don't have to do? I don't have to trust God with all my heart. I trust God when life is going well. I trust God when there's no major issues. I lean in on Him when I'm in need of something. But you better believe I'm working things out so that they work to my benefit. I will trust Him when life is good. And there aren't any other major issues. Because here's the thing about another truth, if you will, as it pertains to worry. I don't worry about yesterday. <laughs> it happened. I don't even worry about the present. You want to know why? Because most of the time, I'm in control. We only worry or have anxiety over the future. What's going to happen? I don't know. Do I trust God? Am I giving Satan the foothold to consume my thoughts? And so Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, do not worry about tomorrow. You want to know why? Because it's got enough trouble already. You, you got troubles today. You got things you got going on today. Don't worry about tomorrow. It's, it's got already its own amount of trouble. The problem with our worrying is that it gives Satan the foothold he needs to distract you, to keep you from becoming like Jesus. So if we are chronic worriers, what do we do? You've got some people in this room right here, man, they don't worry about anything. Right? Like, okay, it's just the next thing. We're the spiritually mature. I'm just kidding. We all have worries. Everybody does. It's just to what level. So if we have any chronic worries, we've got people that, man, we deal with this stuff all the time. 
the weatherman gets the weather wrong. You're like, oh gosh, what's coming? I don't know. Pay attention. Because if I have a thing right now that is consuming my thoughts and it's pulling me in different directions because that's what it is, what, what do I do? Well, I'll tell you what you do. Read the rest of verse 6 where he says, don't be anxious about anything. What's he tell you? God's not going to leave you hanging, church. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. Okay, let's just stop right there. I'm worried about something. But in every situation, is not some situations. It's not most situations. It's not just this situation. Okay, like if, if you're a chronic worrier, you're 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 sitting here and you're struggling with this. Do not be anxious about anything. You're sitting in the room and you're like, man, I am anxious about X, Y, and Z right now in every situation. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What do you do? You pray. You petition. You ask. You come before Him with a grateful heart and you present whatever the thing is to God. And then you do it again. And then again and again. And when you make this the routine, instead of, okay, I'm in over my head, i got the thing over here that's really concerning me, I'm going to pray one time and then I'm going to come over here and I'm going to try to figure it out. What do I have to do? Pray. And then you pray again, and then you pray again. You watch what happens. And, and here's the thing, according to Scripture. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be concerned about life decisions. Okay? And, and, I'm, not sure, and I'm not saying that we, we should just, okay, i got a thing over here, so I'm going to do it, and I'm just going to forget about it and never think about it again. That's certainly not what I'm saying. But what Paul is saying is that there's these moments in life that, that these things, these, 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 these situations happen. And for some, it, it, it's the carpool line is, is just out of order. Okay? For, for some, it, it, it's you know, the economy. It's the government shutting down. I got that this week, actually. Asked Perry how he was doing on his trip. He's like, yeah, we might have to come home. Government shutting down. Are they? Are they even open? I didn't know. Are, they, are we going to notice a difference if they shut down? He's like, no, no, he was, he was serious. You know, we're going to kick off 2024 with a sermon series on peace and prayer. And I have a journaling exercise that I'm going to challenge you with for the first three months of, of, the, of next year. And it has to do with this grasping God's peace that he gives us with the grateful heart. When we pray about every situation, we come before the Lord with grateful hearts. Meaning, I acknowledge what He has done in my life. And I acknowledge the things that He is capable of doing. And the peace of God, it says, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Church, God's peace will watch over you. It will guard you. It will protect 
you're mental and your emotional sinners so that you will not be rendered useless in the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I like the thought of the sovereign king of the universe protecting my heart and mind. So I worry a lot. What do I do? Come before the Lord in prayer. Thanksgiving in my heart. I give him my request. What then? I mean, the worry just, it doesn't just stop, especially if it's a big deal. I mean, the, word, the, the, the thoughts of the thing don't just go away with a couple of prayers. In reality, they don't. What do we do? can't stand Christian cliches. Come on, I don't like them. I, I see the truth in a lot of them. But I just, I don't, I don't care for them. We used to have a sign at our first church, Monroe. I think this is why I don't like them. We had one of those little marquee things. Every Monday as part of my job as the low man on the totem pole to go out there and change the sign and you know, come up with something clever to say. And I would give him books and all that kind of stuff. I'm just like, When God closes the door, He opens the window. I get the truth within it. I'm going to make it fun. Some of y'all are like, oh yeah, some of these things are just, they've gotten me through some difficult stuff. I'm, I'm sorry. God helps those who help themselves. Just let go and let God. And then this one, just give it to God. That's what we're told. I just prayed this prayer about this thing. Just give it to God. Well, thank you so much, Susie Sunday. How do I do that? How do I? All right, God, I got this thing over here that I just told you about. Of course, you knew about it, and you're over here working out your plan. How do I now just give it to God? How do I give it to Him? I get the truth within the statement, but I'm telling you right now, no one has successfully told me how to give the things I'm worrying about to God. And so you want to know where they camp out since I don't know how to give them to God? They camp out right here between the ears. I pray about it? Yeah, I prayed about it. I did it a couple of times, actually. But the thoughts are still there. Church, I don't know about you, but if it's big enough, they're consuming. And so you want to know what we do in our culture? I mean, I get this. I remember having a conversation in life group. Can't tell you about it because life group rules and everything. But I remember having conversation in life group just a couple years ago. Here's what we do. When my mind gets bogged down with some things that I'm worrying about, we feel the need to decompress. Right? Like, I got to get home, and I got to take care of the kids, I got the responsibilities, I got all the stuff over here that I got to do, cook the dinner, do the dishes, all that kind of stuff. And then I just need to decompress. I just need to, to not think about the thing. So what do we do? We get ourselves a nice Chardonnay or whatever the wine of the month is that you got. We get our beer, we get our cold one, and we escape to something else. TV. That's where we go to. Man, just give me something minus. Give me a home show where I can sit there and I can watch them take $8 and turn the value of this house, you know, triple the value of this home 
you know, by, you know, putting some new stuff on the wall and everything. And it's, oh, look at that. That's great. That's what we do. Or, or give me, you know, for me, give me a football game. Which, depending on who's playing. I got to have a football game where my team's not in it because then I care and get mad and yell and all that does is increase the stress of everything else going on. <laughs> give me the Golden Bachelor. Uh, some of y'all, <laughs> some of y'all guilty of the Golden Bachelor. I know it. <laughs> give me something that I can watch and not think about. That's what we want. So we, we, got, our, we got our thing, we got our beverage, we got our colon over here, the kids are taken care of. Oh, maybe it's just your reels. Maybe it's just your TikToks. Let me get on there. The average American right now spends 19 minutes a day watching like 15-second videos on TikTok. It's crazy. We escape to that. Because you want that 15 seconds, man. Everything's good. Everything's hunky-dory. Everything's just great. Let me just grab that and then grab that and grab that. That's just what we do. Video games. I had no idea that men, like five years younger than me, play video games the way they still do. Like I really and truly thought that that was just like a teenage thing and younger but like it's a complete generational thing with people in their 20s and their 30s. Give me the thing and then let me escape over here to the video game. That's what we do. We long for something to do to take our mind off of the thing that we're worrying about. We want to escape those consuming thoughts that I'm worried over. Now remember, the other day I told you Paul used the word finally. He was just pulling okey-doke on you to think that he was near the end of the, the sermon or the letter. Now he's actually getting near the sermon, to the end of the, of the letter. Finally. It's tied directly to this. Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Do you want to know what we do in society? We do the exact opposite of what God is teaching us to do. We try to distract ourselves from the worries of this life by engaging in things of this world. Let me watch my favorite TV show. Let me watch or play my favorite video game. Let me do this over here. And then we wonder why we are still worrying over the stuff that we prayed about. Paul's like, I gave you the, I gave you the secret recipe. Are you still worrying about stuff? Well, did you do the things I asked you to do? Well, I prayed about it. Well, what'd you do after you prayed about it? I played Mario Kart. It's the only video game I know off the top of my head. <laughs> I, I, I watched football. I don't remember writing that. In, in my letter to the church, I don't remember writing that to the church. Paul says, fill your mind with what is true, what is noble, what is right. 
pure, lovely, and admirable. But then I won't know which one of the grannies accepted the rose or not. I mean, Monday night football and a nice cold one, man, that's not a bad gig, okay? I mean, like, because that's culturally, that's what we, we tell ourselves, and that's where we go. And I don't drink beer, just so you know, okay? But are those things true? Are those things noble? Are they admirable? Are they praiseworthy? Don't think so. Paul tells the church in, at, at Corinth, you know what, you have the right as followers. You have the freedom in Christ to, to do anything. But not all things are beneficial for you. Right? Like, like we, we, we quote that one a lot in my house. Yeah, you may have the freedom in Christ to, to sit down and watch Monday Night Football or to watch whatever the thing is that you want to watch, but is it beneficial? I mean, I have the right to go eat some Five Guys and some fries in a few minutes. But is it beneficial? We got to break this terrible habit of trying to decompress, distract our minds and our thoughts by engaging in worldly influence. And here's what we're supposed to fill our minds with. Run the list with me again. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy. Think about such things. Well, well, golly, what's that? Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is what we're to think about. Really? I'll just stick to my TikTok. Really? Know the definition of crazy? We're to think about Christ Jesus, and we do this by filling our mind with the very words and the very thoughts of God. I don't have time for that. That's boring. I don't understand everything. I'm telling you right now, try it one time. I'm not saying try it for 30 days. Try it one time. See what happens. You worried about something today? Pray. You petition. You ask God. You be honest. Share your feelings. I'm scared. I'm upset. I'm discouraged. I'm frustrated. I'm hurt. I don't know what the outcome is. But then you come before Him with a grateful heart. Acknowledging the things that He's done in your life. And you present the thing to God. Here it is, God. And get your Bible out. And just read it. Read it out loud. Don't sit there and read it silently because you wonder what. You're going to get distracted. Read it out loud. And keep reading. You may not understand everything. If you do, I'd love to sit at your feet and learn some things. <laughs> but you get it out and you fill your mind with the things that are pure and lovely and admirable. 
excellent and praiseworthy. You fill your mind with Christ Jesus and then you see what happens. Because here's the promise from Jesus Himself. Peace I leave you. My peace, He says, I give you. Now, I don't give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Those are the components of worry. Just give us peace. I want to get his peace. Do the very thing that we just talked about because he said he would give you a peace that transcends all understanding. You're not even able to comprehend the peace that he has for you. Jesus is like, man, this is not some temporary peace. This is, this is not a peace that just comes from, from getting some needs met. This is my peace. Then, then he says, and just a few minutes later to the same setting, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble. Guaranteed. But take heart. I have overcome the world. That's your Jesus. That's your Savior. And that's your Lord that makes that promise to you. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for Paul, who was sitting in a, in a, in a jail, chained to a guard. did not know the outcome of his future. He did not know his fate. He only knew what he desired in his heart and what you through the Spirit put on his heart. And that was to not worry about the situation. To not worry about being chained to a guard. To not worry about how his needs were going to be met. but to rejoice in You no matter the circumstances. And he lived, he lived this very thing out. And I pray that we can. Lord, my, my prayer for the few, past few days has been that very thing that we, we experience this peace. That, that, that we experience a radical transformation within the a small corporate body of Christ that we are because we understand, we experience the peace that comes through this. So help us, God. I mean, you know us. You, you know how we're wired and you created us. You knit us together. And there's that component of worry that's real. Father, I pray that we can surrender this thing to you.